Amen. Aren't you glad there's power in the name of Jesus? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. And I don't know about you, but I've been hit by that power, touched by that power. Anyone else? Took my life, turned it around, set my feet on the solid ground. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Welcome to Joy Christian Center. I'm Pastor Brian. We've got a, a, a tight agenda, I guess, in one sense, some things that we want to share with you. Uh, uh, and, and I want to start with that scripture, actually, Colossians uh, uh, chapter 3 and verse 17. It says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. When you got up this morning, did you get up in his name? When you go to bed tonight, will you do it in his name and go to work tomorrow or to go through your day? And, and whatever it is that we do, we are to do it unto his name. And I think that includes a, a, a lot of things. First of all, we recognize that it's the power of that name, Jesus and God, that gives us the ability to do what we do. But it also reminds us that everything that is done goes back as glory and praise to our Father and to his Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? And so this morning, I want to share some things with you. Uh, as you've heard, we're, we're, we have this really technical name called Year in Review. And uh, how many of you might have an idea of what it might be about? We're going to take a look back. And I, I need to say a couple of things before we... Before I get into what I want to get into, we're also going to look ahead a little bit. Um, this is, in, I, I enjoy this service as much as I enjoy just about any service, and, and, um, and you'll understand why probably in a few minutes, but the very last thing that you saw was that everyone can do more than someone can, and that's literally the story of this church. I, I believe that with all of my heart, and I believe it more than I, really, than I ever have, and, and, uh, and that theme that everybody can do more than somebody can, and that's what the body of Christ and the body of this church is to be about, and yet whenever we do this, and we've done this now, this is probably the third or fourth year that we have presented information in this way, and, and I've had some people, well, I didn't, come, didn't want to come to church to have a business meeting. I hope you don't walk away with that thought. This is not a business meeting. Other people, you know, well, it sounds like you're just bragging on yourself. We are not bragging on ourselves. I will tell you flat out, I already know that we aren't the best church in the world. There's about 350,000 churches in the United States of America. We are one of many. We really, really are. And yet, I also feel that there's some information that we will share today that's really important for you to hear. Ultimately, I, I believe that ultimately, there's a couple of things that will come out. One is that, that as a church, uh, we're fairly healthy. And, and as a church, God has done some good things uh, in and through and among us. And I, and I thank God for that. And, and really, as I said, I want all the praise to go back to, to him. And... Um, Another thing that I think is probably worth at least mentioning and celebrating is that this year, uh, 19, I'm sorry, <laughs> that was last century, wow. <laughs> 20 and 16, this year is our 25th anniversary of Joy Christian Center. And uh, so we started in, yeah, amen, let's give Jesus a praise offering. You know, there were some people that were pretty convinced we wouldn't make it a year. And uh, here we are, 25 years later, and July, actually July of 91 is when we began. And we began at North Junior High. We spent about four years there and then, uh, uh, you know, moved into that building uh, and uh, eventually remodeled that and then built this. And here we are 25 years later. And in September, we're going to be celebrating that. And, and uh, there'll be a lot more information as we move through the year, but when we began, and, and you know, I was, we were talking with some pastors on Friday night, and, and um, you know, uh, somebody had asked about our start, starting our church, and, and I had mentioned that we were going to, that we started in July of 1991, and, and um, I had read probably, this is about 
eight or nine years ago now, I had read a book by a doctor so-and-so who was a very influential person in the body of Christ and an expert on starting churches. And he said, the only time you cannot or should not ever start a church is in the middle of the summer. <laughs> Never start a church in the summer. And I, as I read that, I thought, that is a great idea. Because everybody's gone in the middle of the summer. <laughs> and so we started it in, the, in I mean, July 14th. You couldn't get any more middle of the summer than July 14th. And so uh, we began there and, uh, and, you know, so I don't know, maybe I'm going to write a book and say the best time to start a church is whenever God says to start a church. I think that's actually the best, best time. And so, uh, and, and, and so we began with this scripture in, in, in uh, 1 John. And the scripture in 1 John chapter 3, it says this, Behold what manner of love the Father has, has, has given and bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. The reason that we have our relationship with God is because God loves us. And God did something that only love could do. God saw the condition of humanity that we were lost, we were without hope, and we were without God in this world. And the only way that we could ever have a relationship with him, the only way that we could ever be joined to him is, is if his son Jesus would come to earth, a pure spotless sacrifice, live on the earth, and, and be the vehicle through which redemption could, could come through, his shedding, through the shedding of his blood, and then our faith in him would cause our lives to be changed to such a degree that we now are children of God. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And I really like what it goes on to say, therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. The world can't understand us. The world doesn't understand the joy, the life. It doesn't understand the hope that we have. It doesn't understand sometimes the, the, the priorities of our life, that we put God first, that we put his things first. The world doesn't understand and get those things. And so... When, when, when John is writing this, he's, he's acknowledging this great love that has changed and transformed our life. But then he says, behold, beloved now. Everybody say now. now. Now we are the sons of God. Now we are children of God. Beloved, now we are children of God. Uh, Brian Sostrom, Brian and Paula have been a part of this church since almost day one, back before they were even married back before they had children, back way back, back when I had hair. And so uh, they, they've been a part of this church for a long time and they've been involved in youth ministry. They've been involved in all the ministry of this church throughout all of those years. And, and thinking about as he was talking about nursery and children's ministry, all of those things, we, we could go back there right now and we could look at those children and we would look at them and, and, and acknowledge here they are, they, they've been given life and breath here on planet earth. And yet it does not yet appear what they're going to be. We understand that back there in the nursery, there are doctors, there are lawyers, there are carpenters, there are plumbers, there are uh, first responders. There are all kinds of potential vocations that are back there. It does not yet appear what they're going to be though. But we ultimately hope that our efforts are going to influence their lives in such a way that whatever it is they gravitate towards, whatever it is that they uh, respond is, as far as their gifts and temperaments and personalities, we hope that, that we have influenced them so that whether they're a doctor, a lawyer, a plumber, a carpenter, or whatever it is, whether, whatever those things are, that ultimately at the end of the day, the most important part of their life is the relationship that they've got with God. And so, beloved, it does not yet appear what we shall be. In, in, in 1991, when I, this was the very first scripture that I shared with the church. 
And I stood there on that day, and, I, and, and I, with all the sincerity in my heart, we're starting a church. Never done this before. I don't even know what. It, I don't even know exactly how to do this, but we're starting. I knew to start, and you know that's a, that's a lot of how this church operates. <laughs> some of you probably have recognized that over the years. It's like, shouldn't you have thought about some of these things before you actually started? You know, yeah, we probably should have, you know. But you know what I've decided? I believe this. I believe that we should do the very best that we can with what we have where we are. I believe that if we wait until the conditions are right or the conditions are perfect or everything's in alignment, everything's in place, that we have the, the staff, the money, whatever it might be, I believe that if we wait until then, then we've waited too long. And if we wait until then, then no faith is required. The kingdom of God operates by faith. We, God is a God of faith. He wants to see us exercise trust in him. And so we've always, and so on that day, I said to you this, you know, talked about the great love that God has for us. But then I made this statement. Beloved, now are we children of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. I don't know down the road five years from now or 10 years down from, from now. I don't know what this church is going to look like. I don't know what's going to be going on. But then the next part of this verse, it, it, again, it says, now we are children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know. Everybody say, we know. There are things that we know. We know that when he's revealed, we'll be like him for we'll see him like he is. How many of you know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever? The more you see Jesus as he is, you're going to be like him. And the more that you're like him, the more that you respond and walk and live and move, the more that you are like him, the more other people around you are going to notice that. And then if we have, you know, instead of just one or two, if there's 10 or 20 or 30 or 40, and if Jesus is being revealed to us and we are walking and living more and more like that, and we're seeing him as he is and it's transforming our life, then we have a body of people in central Minnesota that are being transformed by the love of God and the power of God, and the people are seeing that. And, and right along with it, things that we know, we know we are a family church teaching people to reach their world. That's what we know. Don't know everything about it. And, and I love the, 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 the journey that I see in this verse. Beloved, now we're the children of God, but it does not yet appear what we shall be. And we're somewhere, 25 years ago, we were somewhere in the middle. There were things that we knew and things we didn't know. There are things that we knew that we are, but we didn't know what we would become. And 25 years later, it's the same thing. There are things that we know and there are things that we are, but how many of you know there are still some things left to come? It does not yet appear after 25 years what we shall be whenever Jesus returns. But I believe this with all of my heart. We know. Acts chapter 8 and verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ unto them. I believe this with all of my heart that when Jesus is made known, not religion, personality, denomination, not, not you know, do's and don'ts, rules and regulations, not all that stuff. When Jesus truly is made known, as Philip did in Samaria in that day. Verse eight says this, uh, uh, I should probably read the whole thing. Uh, verse six says, and the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Verse eight, and there was great joy in the city. Philip went to Samaria, he preached Christ and joy was the result. And that's been our theme verse for 25 years. That when Christ is preached, it brings joy. 
And I'm so grateful and thankful. How many of you could say this morning that because of things that you have learned about Jesus, your life's better? Anyone? All right, well, the rest of you will give you an opportunity throughout all of this year to have Jesus make your life better. And trust me this morning, there are people who walk into this church that have heard about Jesus and know Jesus somewhat, but their life is not better. They're not happier. They're not more blessed because they haven't really learned some things. They, they have a, a, a knowledge of God and a knowledge of Jesus. And, and I call those people, sometimes they're, they're underchurched or, or sometimes they're unchurched. And, and that's really where my heart is. My heart is to help people understand the, the principles of the word of God that will set us free. And as we sang, put our feet on a solid ground so that we can walk in that idea of a journey that is through us. Excuse me for just a second. You guys can just talk among yourself and say, Pastor Ryan, that was really good preaching, but I need to tie my shoe. <laughs> Praise God. Or you could say, I hope it gets better than this. Uh, maybe that's what you need to say. But, but here's my thought this morning, uh, and I'm gonna ask the Connections team, uh, if you would just pass out, we've got a little a brochure for you this morning. I want everybody or at least every family to have one. Uh, they will come and, and begin to pass those out. Make sure that everybody gets one. We'll, we'll be looking at that in just a moment. Uh, resist the urge, at least for a second. Please resist the urge to open it up and start looking at it while I'm talking. That's just as rude, all right? So don't do that. Uh, because what we're about to look at is, is, is the story of everybody can do more than someone. I, I really, really believe that. And that, that uh, you know, I, I've learned some things over the years. Everyone can do more than someone. And, and I operated under a philosophy for a while that I needed to do everything, that, that I am the pastor and that I should be the one to preach all the time. And I led worship all the time. And I, and I did the visiting and I did the this and I did everything. But how many of you know that, first of all, you can't sustain that. But secondly, that robs everybody else. Robs you of your gifts, your talents, your abilities, what God's put in you. And so this church is not about me. This church is about we. And I believe with all of my heart that everybody can do more than somebody can. And so what you're about to look at, what we are about to look at this morning is the prayer, it is the faith, it is the heart, and it is the hope of an entire congregation. Uh, if you maybe picked up on it at the end of the little video that you saw, um, um, this idea that, that every number represents a life and every life represents a story. A story of, of, of something that God has done. And so... On the handout that you have this morning, now it is okay for you to look at, at it. So did everybody get one, or at least every family, everybody got one? No? How did you get missed? This whole section right here? Guys, uh, we need some right up here. Connections team. Look out, you're going to get inundated here now. We should get one of those cannons like they have, at, you know, those air cannons. Poof, you just shh. All right, sorry. Just hold your hand up for a second here. This section right in here didn't get one. All right, uh, on the front, just a couple of things. There's a, 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 some, some highlights. Actually, the front, to me, this is the front. Just a little bit of, of at least what I want to, I, I don't know, whenever we put this together and I look at it, it's like, wow, that was a good series. And I'm looking at these different things, you know, love songs. And that was a lot of fun uh, uh, taking, you know, songs that people remembered from the 70s and 80s. Some of us remembered them anyway. Uh, uh, you know, and, and we built some messages around that. Different things that we did throughout the year. Uh, I, I want to just point out one statement. It says, our goal in teaching the Bible, up on the upper right-hand corner, our goal in teaching the Bible is to unite the big ideas of scripture with the practical demands of life and with the help of the Holy Spirit pull the two together. 
That is our heart. That is our theme. That, you know, I, I'm not interested in trying to impress. I'm not interested in trying to preach over people's heads. What I'm really interested in is giving you something that hopefully is going to help you be a better uh, employee, a better husband, a better wife, a better uh, student, whatever it might be. Uh, and one other thing I want to point out, uh, you'll notice my name after that statement implying that I came up with it. I did not come up with that. I didn't notice this until after it had been printed. It's like, that's not me. I'm not that smart. So I borrowed that, but I, that is our philosophy in ministry. Uh, on the backside, at least when I look at the backside, there's a very inspiring message from me. You don't have to read that right now. I did actually write that uh, at the top. Um, a couple of things. You see some, some stats and just some highlights from our family ministry. That is from the nursery on through sixth grade. Pastor Tim and Teresa and their team do a tremendous job in ministering to, uh, to, to, to that age group and, and providing to make sure that those kids have quality ministry. And then right next to that, you'll see student ministries. Uh, Pastor Tommy and Angela and their team, they do a tremendous job on Wednesday nights and and. and and doing small groups and things like that. And they're really impacting and reaching a generation of teenagers in a unique way. And, and uh, uh, we're seeing fruit of that. And, and, and God is doing such, I think, just such wonderful things. Um, in, uh, in our Heartbeats ministry, uh, we encourage people to get involved in this. This is our small group ministry. And, and uh, discipleship doesn't happen on a Sunday morning. Discipleship happens. The book of Proverbs talks about iron sharpening iron. There's a sharpness that comes when we get around other people and we begin to maybe discuss and we begin to learn together and somebody asks a question that maybe we've been thinking about or maybe hadn't even considered and then we are able to maybe give some input and share ideas back and forth. And in a church like ours that, that uh, we're, we're a bit of a, a church that... Uh, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're a fluid church and, and there's a lot of people coming and going. We minister today, we minister to more people less frequently than we ever have. We have about 1,400 people that call this church their home church. We'll average around, you know, 650 to 750 on a Sunday, adults and children. But that's a different, it's not the same 750 people every week. Some of you, we love you because you're here almost all the time. Thank God for you. Thank you so much. And others, your schedules are busy and you have kids that are different ages or maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum where you're taking care of parents. Or, you know, there's a lot of reasons. We're, we're far more mobile society than we have ever been before. And we, we understand that. And so while we're ministering to more people, we're ministering less frequently. That's part of the reason that we do what we do with our website. Uh, you know, we record these services and, and video is available of them because we want that to, and, and a lot of people take advantage of that. In fact, we have people that visit our church who never leave their home. Two years ago, I met a, a gentleman in the, in the lobby and he said, he introduced himself, hey, Pastor Brian, it's really good to see you. He said, this is my first Sunday here. And I was like, it took me a second. I was like, well, wait a second, wait, 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 wait. You know who I am, but this is your first Sunday here? And you, you haven't even been in a service yet? And he goes, oh, no, no, no. He said, I've been watching you online for months. And I finally decided to come and visit the church and see what it was about. And I was like, oh man, that's a whole nother class of people that I could offend easily. And I don't, I don't think about who all hears my message other than the people that are here right here, you know, kind of a thing. And so there was a, there was a certain amount of like, uh-oh, you know, kind of a thing. And so, but, but, but the reason I say that is because the place to connect and get to know people, to, to know and to be known, that really is in our small groups. And, and there are groups for all kinds. There's relational type groups. There's, there's deeper study groups. And, and we encourage you to be involved uh, in that. I, I love this right underneath the small groups, our Heartbeats Ministry is our Connections Ministry. Do you realize that on average every Sunday, every Sunday we go three, through 333 of these? 
eight ounce cups of liquid, coffee and orange juice. And I don't know, I don't know. I think people are just taking them home. I really don't. I mean, <laughs> I mean look at that. 5,600 cups of orange juice, 10,000 cups. How do you go to sleep in a service? Some of you, how do you fall asleep? We're putting out almost 11,000 cups of coffee every, and some of you, that's just, some of you have like the big, you know, supersized jugs kind of a thing. And man, filling that bad boy up, and it's like, awesome, I, I really like that. But, but I just thought it was kind of funny when Steph put that together, 333 of those every week. That's pretty impressive. You guys are a thirsty bunch. <laughs> Praise God. I've thought about, you know, we should just not do it for a month and see what everybody's reaction is. <laughs> ah! <laughs> kind of a thing. No! <laughs> we'll do whatever we have to do. Um, and, and then along with that, down in the, the next column, you see some, some of the money stuff there, uh, our balance sheet. I, I want to point out a couple of things uh, as it relates to our, our, our financials, you know, just our financials. And, and um, you know, we share this information. It's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's for you to know. Uh, we don't go into all the details because that would take too long. Uh, but, but under current assets, and I just want to point out this one thing. You see that we have a current assets right now, our cash on hand uh, at that point, uh, at the end of the year, was $294,000. And, and uh, uh, you know, that doesn't mean I can go out and spend or we as a church can go out and spend $300,000 tomorrow. Uh, there's money that's set aside for different things that we have to have. But uh, the reason I say, the reason I want to point that out is because in 2011, we ended the year with about $58,000 cash on hand. And so what that should tell us, and, and we work hard at this, we, we really, really do. Again, everybody can do more than somebody can. We're not backed by anybody but us and, and God, but, but, but really it's whatever God gives to us through you and through us, through we, that we put to work in ministry. And so I, I, I say that to you this morning because... because your generosity really makes a big difference and it enables us to do things that we are doing. And so, uh, uh, so you see that, that again, $294,000, um, slipping over a couple of, before skip the expenses, go over to the giving side. Um, you'll notice that this year in tithe and offering alone, like we just did a, a little while ago, just over a million dollars, by $11,000, we went over a million dollars. That's the first year that as a church we've ever broken that million dollar barrier. Last year we were $10,000 short of that million dollars. And this year we're $10,000 over, or $11,000 over that. And, and, and being that I'm, I believe in breaking barriers, anyone else? I've just now set my sights on $1,250,000. I'm just, I'm believing God for that. And if you can, can you know, if you can join my, you join with my faith and agree together and, and here's what's going to have to happen though for us to break that goal. You know what's going to have to happen? The person next to you is going to have to get blessed by God. Amen. It's like one person said, Hey, the good news is all of our needs and budget has been met. The bad news is it's still in your pockets. You know, kind of, a, and so, so, so God, this is what I expect is going to happen. God is going to bless you as you've sown. The scripture says it comes back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. You see the, uh, our joy to the world giving. We'll talk about that just a little bit. Um, you can see our breakdown of expenses. And again, we work hard at, at making sure that we handle what you give in a, in an honorable way. Uh, we, we endeavor to not be wasteful. That's part of the reason that, that we are building that cash reserve, uh, uh, among other things. As you slip over to the right, 
Uh, missions support. We believe in generosity. We practice what we preach here. These are, these are ministries and missions that we support uh, from central Minnesota throughout the world. Uh, I believe that it is important that we do that. And, uh, and, and, and so when ministers come, we bless them. When we have Teen Challenge or, or the Gideons when they were here, uh, we bless them with a financial offering. We, uh, we take a portion of what you have given as a church and we funnel that towards missions and towards ministries and being a blessing. Um, some of the general General stats, recorded salvations, 332. Um, The number that that probably, the only number on there that disappoints me is water baptisms, which is actually 48, was way more than the year before. But I believe that 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 is the the walk that that we are to take. And and so I don't want to make this all about numbers. I want us to focus on one thing and that these numbers point to lives touched and changed. And, And so... All of these things working together, you see the volunteer hours. Again, everybody can do more than somebody can. And, and I've laid out, this is sort of how I do this and for me. Uh, let me just give you a couple of quick numbers financially as it relates to numbers. First of all, there's a number that I consider, it's our, what I call, this is technically not this, but I call it hard costs. Our hard costs going into 2016 is $855,000. What that means is that $855,000 from our budget goes to goes for, uh, you know, everything to make uh, this church happen. It is salaries, it is uh, building payment, it is insurances, uh, uh, it is, it is. I mean, you know, paper, it is the coffee, it is, you know, we don't spend hundreds of dollars on, on stuff, we spend thousands of dollars on that throughout the year. And, and so it is everything. I mean, the, uh, your, uh, let's see, it was about $4,700 uh, this month to keep this place warm. So, you know, we're almost at $50,000 to heat and cool. That's just to heat and cool this place. It's about $11,300 for a monthly payment. Yes. Uh, you know, almost $150,000 a year just, just to service the debt on this building. And, and I'll just say it right now. I, I want to be debt-free as a church. I want us debt-free. We owe about just under $1.3 million on this, on this facility, which uh, if I remember right, it's like $12 less than it was the year before. I just, it's like that number just is like, it's just so slowly going down. But I, I do want to be debt-free, but, but I also want to balance that along with effective ministry. It's not just servicing the debt on a building and trying to get that paid off. That's important. But we also want, I mean, we want effective ministry, right? I mean, that's what we're doing. You know, another number that you need to know is $44,000. $44,000 is what I call our extension ministries. That is our monthly missions giving. That is benevolence things. That is uh, when we have guest speakers. Uh, 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 any kind of giving that we do. And that's a tempting, that's a tempting pool sometimes to, to maybe draw from when things are tight. But I just believe that we need to practice what we preach and we need to be generous as a church. And, and I want to see that number just get bigger. I really, I, I really, really do. And so when we consider the $855,000 of hard costs... Do you realize that it, costs, it takes about $70,000, almost $75,000 just for insurances for this building and for the staff and for people? We want to take care of the people, the, the, the staff that, that you know, works and does the ministry. 
And so all of that, that $855,000 along with $44,000 as, as, as our, uh, you know, our, our just, and, and that doesn't include joy to the world, but, but that giving that we do, uh, that brings that total to $898,000. This year we have set a budget of $975,000. My goal is to always make our budget less than what we received in tithe and offering the year before. Um, I, don't, I don't like to, uh, it's, well, anyway, it's a long story, but I just, I just believe that that is a good thing to do. I don't want to, I'm not, I believe in trusting God and I believe in faith, but I don't believe in, in, in you know, uh, uh, foolishness and presumption, just presuming that things will always be the same. There was one year that that didn't happen. There was one year that we were about $90,000 uh, underneath. It was when the bottom fell out of everything. Uh, our expenses were about $90,000 in income under our expenses. And because we had a reserve, we were able to handle that uh, uh, very well. And so, um, and so, uh, $975,000 budget, and so $77,000 is what we do, what we will fund ministry with. It's what Pastor Tim is going to buy puppets and curriculum with, and Pastor Tommy is going to do uh, effective ministry for teenagers and for creative arts, things like that. Uh, another thing that I just want to mention to you this morning is joy to the world. Everybody say joy to the world. I don't want you to think that as because it's maybe sometimes been the emphasis. Whenever you hear joy to the world, this is what I hope that you think. Joy to the world is our opportunity to be joy to our world. I know that we have made a focus on an offering in the fall of the year. Uh, that, isn't joy, that isn't what joy to the world means to me. Joy to the world, in fact, you will hear throughout this year opportunities to be joy to the world. That, that, and, and it means nothing as it relates to an offering, but is an opportunity for you to be generous maybe with your time or with your talent. Joy to the world is, is when we do Fall Fun Fest, that's, joy, that's us, Joy Christian Center, going to the world. Uh, uh, we might be packaging meals for kids in some country. That is joy. That's an opportunity to be joy to the world. Serving around here, that's an opportunity to be joy to the world. And it is also an offering that we do. Uh, last year in our Joy to the World campaign, uh, and I'm trying to shift this and move this to, to big ticket items, to things that, that uh, we can reach out with, but, but uh, uh, last year... Uh, uh, we did one big project, and that was almost $20,000 to, to repair, make repairs in our parking lot. And that was a big chunk, but your generosity made it really easy to do that. And through, through Joy to the World, we've been able to bless uh, ministers and pastors and organizations. We've been able to be a blessing in, in other places around central Minnesota through that offering. It is amazing to me what $49.95 does. And, and, and I understand for some people that's a lot, for others it's not that big of a deal. It really isn't that much. And it's amazing what we can do when all of us together do something, it's amazing what can be done. And so I, I share those things with you and there's other information. If you have questions, uh, Pastor Tim would love to answer all of your questions. Uh, Shelly will answer all your questions about money and finances. I will answer your questions about why I think baptism is important. So, uh, uh, no, I, I, I want to make sure that I've, I've got everything here that I wanted to talk about about that stuff. Um, let me just say this too. This is one important thing. I know that from time to time, people have ideas about what a church should be and what a church should do. And many times those ideas are based on churches that they've been to, people have been to in the past. And whenever I do Safe at Home or, or our membership class, as it later was called, I will do a portion of our day asking people what church background they've come from. And the reason that I do that is because I want people to understand that they're used to one thing 
when it relates to a church. And I'll use this illustration. After I've gone around the room and I'll say, you know, we'll find out. We have, you know, people from Baptist churches, Catholic churches, Lutheran churches, Presbyterian churches, no churches, charismatic churches. I mean, we got all kinds of churches represented. And I say, all right, what if, what if we were going to start a church? And we all sat around a table and said, what's important for a church? The only thing that we would have to draw from, maybe some scripture and, and, and our experiences, and so all of those things together would go into what we think a church ought to be. And I use that as a springboard to talk about this is what Joy Christian Center is about. This is, we've already had the meeting around the table and we're still, we're still perfecting, working and tweaking on those things, but we are endeavoring to be this. This is who we are. And so when it relates to particularly a Sunday morning service, we want people to know God. We want people to experience God. And, and, and we work hard at this, you know, 65 minutes to, to, to try to make it engaging, to try to make it impactful, to try to give you something that you will take away and remember during the week. And, and certainly there are things that we don't have to do. We don't have to do a lot of things. But you need to understand something that we have competition. We have competition. We don't have to have air conditioning and heating. We don't have to have comfortable chairs. We could put wooden stools in here. My back hurts just thinking about it, to be actually honest with you. <laughs> There's a lot of things that we don't have to do, but we're in competition. We need to understand that we have come, and I'm not talking about competition from other churches. I'm not trying to be like other churches. I'm trying to be like this church, like God wants us to be. But we have competition. Our competition is anywhere that anybody could be on a Sunday morning. And that could be still in bed. Our competition is the gravitational pull of a mattress. Our competition is sometimes for people that we want to reach, uh, sometimes our competition is the Saturday night before the Sunday morning. Sometimes our competition is a really bad experience that somebody had in a church and they said, I will never go to church again. Sometimes our competition is, is, is people that think, well, this is what church is, and they're a bunch of uh, bigoted people that, that, you know, they're all hypocrites. And whose job is it to change that perspective? It's our job. It is our job. And so our goal is to not do church like it used to be done in 1947 or 1967 or 1977. And so our goal is to create an environment that is welcoming and warm and that is clean and that, that is well-staffed and, and smoothly organized. But ultimately, above everything else, we want this ministry to be something that is blessed and anointed and empowered by God, which is why that song, There's Power in the Name of Jesus, is so important. And so from 1991 until 2016, and, and again, this is our 25-year anniversary, the month of September, you'll hear more and more about this, but the month of September, we are celebrating 25 years. That, that every Sunday, we're going to do a picnic thing, and, and I don't know what all we're going to do. We're going to have a blowout. We're going to have fun is what we're going to do, because I like to have fun, and I like to eat, and I like to worship God. And we're going to do all those things and probably more. But it is a journey. Again, 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, or verse, uh, 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know, but we know. It does, th th there's a journey that is happening. And so I want to take the last couple of minutes to, to, to give you this thought this morning, because for me, it sets up 2016. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, Paul was writing, and he said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the Lord. I'm imploring and begging you because of my position 
because of what Jesus has done in me, I'm begging you to make sure that your walk is worthy of the Lord. And that's Ephesians chapter four, verse one. How many of you know that the Bible was not written in chapter and verses? It, it, the chapters and the verses were added later for reference sake so that you could easily and more quickly find places in the Bible. And so when Paul was writing that, Paul was continuing a thought. That's why he says, therefore. The therefore refers to something that he had said right before that. And Ephesians chapter three and verse 19, I wanna read this to you. Ephesians three nineteen says this, that you would know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. I have a desire that you know how powerful that love is. I don't want you to know about it. I don't want you just to hear about it, sing songs about it. I want you, to, and actually the way this says it, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. He says, I want you to know something that, you, that it's impossible for you to know. And the only way that you can know something that's impossible to know is if you experience it. Like one person said, it's better felt than telt. I can, you know, and here we go, food. I could describe to you the wonderful goodness of a, of a steak. I could describe to you the wonderful creaminess of a brownie that is covered with ice cream. I could tell you how wonderful that one pound Snicker bar was. I could tell you all of these different things. I, haven't, I have not eaten that Snickers bar. It is still wrapped up. But I could tell you about it. But until you've tasted and seen, until you've experienced those things, until you've experienced it, you don't know. And that's what Paul was saying that you would know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that you would be filled with all the fullness of him, that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. How many of you have ever, you know, had a box of cereal or a box of chips or something, and you open up that box of cereal and you look in the box and it's like half the box is gone. Anybody? And you read out in front, it says some settling may occur. It's like, wait a second. Nothing settles this much. This is a half empty box of cornflakes. Well, the picture in the Greek of this scripture, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God is that you have been filled, that you've been squished down, that it is overflowing and then filled again. And so Paul is saying, I want you to know the love that passes knowledge. And I want you to understand that you have been filled to overflowing with God. And then he says in verse 19 or verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. How many of you can think a lot? You can dream pretty big. Amen? Anyone? We can dream kind of big, can't we? You see, if we're going to walk worthy of the Lord, as Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, if you and I together collectively as a church are going to walk worthy of the Lord, then we need to consider two things. We need to consider, number one, that God has put more in you than you've ever imagined. Because he's filled you with himself. Woohoo! And God's dream for you is way bigger, way bigger, way bigger way bigger. God's dream for you is way bigger than you could ever dream. Think about that for a second. As big as you could dream, as, as big as your hope could ever expect, God is able to do more than that. But he said, it's according to the power that works in us. That word works in the Greek is the word energeo. It means to energize. It is according to the power that's energized in us. So Joy Christian Center, what would that look like if a body of people so embraced that idea 
that we're going to walk worthy of the Lord, that we will walk with the knowledge that we are full of God. And we live in a society that devalues us. We live in a society that says, you cannot, you're not good enough. And what if we ever expected that God's dream, that God's idea, that God's hope, that God's vision is way, 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 way bigger than ours is? What would that church look like? (laughs) Beloved, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know this. We're going to walk worthy of the Lord. I have a dream. I have a desire. And it's found in this verse in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12 in the message. I'm going to ask uh, uh, the rest of the worship team, if you guys would please come for just a moment. Ephesians 4.12 says that he handed out the gift of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor, teacher to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church, until we are all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ, until we're all moving rhythmically and easy. Until we're moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in the response to what God has done for us. Church, God's put something in you, and his dream's way bigger. He's put something in you, and his dream's way bigger. And the reason that he did all of these things, in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, I want to read this from the Living Bible. It says that God isn't really being slow about his promised return. How many of you know Jesus is coming back? He is coming back. And a lot of times, many times, it's like, Jesus, come quickly. Anyone? It's like, oh man, Jesus, just would you just come back? It says, he isn't really being slow about his promised return, even though it sometimes seems that way. He is waiting. He is waiting for the good reason that he's not willing that any should perish. He is giving more time for sinners to repent. God's not willing that anyone fall short of his grace and his glory. That's why he sent Jesus. But not only the reason that he sent Jesus, it's why he sent you and he sent me. It is why he planted a church 25 years ago. Not that we are the only church, not that we're the best church, but we are one of many churches with the responsibility and the duty to bring the light, the life, and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ into a world that desperately needs it. This world needs Jesus. This world needs to experience the life and the power that is in his name. They need to experience that they can be redeemed and set free, that their life can be turned from destruction and set on a course and a path that will not be shaken that is immovable, that is full of life and purpose. In fact, the plan and purpose that God had before the foundations of this world. That's what we're here for. That's what we are to do. And that's what we are about. And so church, Joy Christian Center, that we would all move rhythmically and easily with each other and be efficient and graceful in the response of what God has done for us.